Hi, I'm Paul Stringfellow. It's 2020 and welcome back to Tech Interviews. And on this week's show, we start as we start every year with a look ahead to what 2020 has to offer. So settle back and enjoy 2020 vision. Happy New Year and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's and next week's show, we're going to start the podcasting year off as most podcasts do by taking a look at the next 12 months and see what the year of 2020 has got to offer Enterprise IT. So to help me to do that over these couple of weeks, I've spoken to five people from across the industry just to get an idea on what technologies, trends and ideas they think is going to gather pace across the world of enterprise IT. So settle back, enjoy some of their thoughts and ideas and by all means share yours. You can reach me on Twitter at TechStringy. So my first guest is industry analyst Chris Evans to see what he thinks is going to be big through 2020. Hi Chris, so um, hey, before we jump in, why don't you introduce yourself, tell people who you are and what it is you do. Thanks, Paul. It's Chris Evans. Yeah, I work for Architecting RT. I'm an analyst, I guess, and a bit of a blogger at the same time. You can find me online at Chris M. Evans on Twitter uh, or architecting.it. And the uh, the M in Chris Evans is important because although you're Chris Evans, you're not that one. Yeah, sadly, if you put in Chris Evans and do a search, you'll find lots of other people which are absolutely not me, including Radio 1 DJs or used to be Radio 1 DJ. Um, and, of course, very famous actors in America. So if you want to find me, you'll have to use Chris M. Evans. So, okay, well, let's jump into our topic and have a look at what you're expecting from uh, 2020. And obviously, it's not going to be your latest film role. We've just uh, just sorted that out. Um, so, uh, you know, so so from your view, from your experiences and, and, and some of the analyst work that you do, you know, what, what are a couple of the big things you expect to see change or things that people listening to the show maybe should be looking out for and be aware of uh, in the coming 12 months? So I'm going to start off with one, I think, which might be a little bit controversial, and that is the idea of a little bit of fallout in the data protection market. Now, bear with me for a second here, but if you look at the market for, say, the last three or four years, maybe four or five, we've seen lots of big players come into the market. We've seen a migration towards SaaS, and we've seen a new set of companies come in which are selling online services for backup and data protection. Now, at some point, some of this is going to have to rationalize, and I wonder whether in 2020 we're going to see some companies merging or even some failing or some being acquired simply because they get into a bit of distress. I think that's a really interesting point um, and, and probably not one I was expecting to hear. So, um, so that's a good start. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, but, but I think that's, it, it, I suppose if you look at the IT industry as a whole and kind of the history of the way that the IT industry operates, and we were talking actually when we just before we started recording about some sectors of the storage industry and, and some of the, um, you know, so, some of the changes that we've seen in that via acquisition and, and companies just kind of vanishing. Um, I, I don't suppose it's unexpected that we will see that because I think you're absolutely right. That kind of whole data protection data management space has grown hugely over the last three or four years so so i don't think it's 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 highly unlikely but um so yeah so so an interesting space um, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to name names but um did you think is any particular signs that you'd look for to say yeah i, I could see that becoming the case well I, i'd give you a number of things that i think would make me think that first of all we've seen some new entrants come in with huge amounts of money that they're raising and they're coming in towards the beginning of their fundraising, where there are other companies who've been in the market for a long time, who've raised money, and you would think it's unlikely they could go back to the market again to ask for more money. And, you know, we've had companies that have raised literally hundreds of millions of pounds or dollars. So I think those companies now have to put up or shut up. They have to really start proving they can move into making real profits or growing their business even further. And I think that's going to be the challenge for companies like that. I'm not going to say who they are, but I mean, you know, you can start to guess who they might be uh, in this industry. And there are a few smaller players, and they're going to start to struggle, I think, because 
in general, we're starting to see that SaaS as an option for data protection absolutely makes common sense. So there's going to be, I guess, a fallout of some of those smaller guys, but also some of the bigger ones who are going to have to say, yeah, I have actually made money. Here's where my business plan is going forward. And if they're not, I don't think they can go back and raise more money again. Yeah, I think that's a, I think it's interesting. So yeah, definitely an area to uh, to keep an eye on. So uh, have you got a couple of other things as well that you're going to be watching for this year? Well, I, sh- I think I should say the, the classic Kubernetes one, shouldn't I? Everybody has to talk about Kubernetes in one form or other. And I think I think contractual obligation. I believe. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, And I think we've joked about this in the past that you hear lots about technologies like you wonder how widespread they're actually deployed and used in the, in the let's call it the real world, compared to the sort of world that a lot of us live in where we talk about what we think might be coming up and rather than what is coming up. So I think from a Kubernetes uh, area, I think we're going to have to start seeing some real thinking about how we're going to manage data in Kubernetes and containerized environments. We've seen some vendors bring out data protection products in that market that are a bit more um, focused. Um, And one example of that I've written about is one called Kasten, and there are some others out there that are doing some stuff. But in general, the persistent data storage side still really hasn't been quite worked out. And I think if we're going to do something that allows us to really be truly hybrid, that is going to have to get fixed. And it's going to be really interesting to see where we go in that, because I don't think the industry's quite understood exactly how storage and containers should work. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you, you, you include, and, and no doubt purposely, the idea, the word containers in there, because I, I think we often hear the word Kubernetes, um, and everybody feel free to take a drink. Uh, we hear the word Kubernetes talked about a lot, as though it's a technology in itself. But of course, Kubernetes is more of a, an, or my, certainly my understanding of, is more of an orchestration layer for containers. So it's a way of managing kind of that container um, infrastructure. And I think particularly for people maybe listening to this show who work in enterprise IT, you're not necessarily seeing a huge uptake in the containerization area of a lot of the day-to-day stuff that you do. And, and actually, for some of the reasons you've talked about there, you know, one, it's quite hard to port you know, a, an enterprise application into a containerized environment, but there's some other fundamental questions around data protection and governance and security that that perhaps need answering. So, you know, and, and, I mean, do you think that's, some of that stuff's playing into that. So obviously without that uptake in containerization, we're not going to see that necessarily wide adoption of, of Kubernetes either. Yeah, it's that um, description of what uh, on a podcast that I did just recently, we were calling day two um, challenges. And I think we, we end up starting off thinking we love a technology and we think, oh, it's great. We can install it. We can use it. We mess about with it. And then the reality sets in that we have to go and put it into production with all the things that you've just mentioned. So that, that whole idea of, compliance, governance around the data, making sure we can protect it, make sure we can audit. And then all of a sudden you realize actually there's a lot more to it than just saying, oh, brilliant, new technology, let's deploy. And I think that's where the the challenge has not been solved. It's that whole operational side of things that needs to be addressed. So we we need people to be stepping back and saying, great, okay, we've got a a new piece of technology. Now we need to help people understand how they're going to put this into actual use. And I think that's where we're going to see some really interesting stuff in 2020, if this is really going to take off. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a classic adoption curve idea, it isn't is. it? You know, you kind of go through the the, the Gartner hype cycle. Um, I think it's Gartner's hype cycle. Apologies if it's somebody else's, uh, but you know, you kind of go. It's Gartner. It is Gartner. That's yeah. okay then. Uh, so so nobody's going to be shouting at me. Um, but you know, yeah, that idea of we see the people kind of on the edge of that curve, maybe. You know, and I have spoken to people who are using Kubernetes aggressively inside their organisation as a as a way of orchestrating their developing environments. Um, 
but I'm not seeing lots and lots of people doing that. But yeah, as we move from that kind of, you know, right at the edge of that cycle of, of kind of innovation and, and wanting to use brand new technologies to that more general adoption, I say, I think that the, the, the market itself is kind of going to shake out some of those those areas because it's going to be demanded. You know, the more traditional enterprise is going to want certain capabilities that, that maybe don't uh, don't exist right now. So, um, well, look, as, as we're kind of wrapping up here, have you got a, have you got a third that you, you kind of want to look at for, for the next 12 months? Yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting area that we should, you know, we should think about in terms of, I guess, looking back at the first point we discussed. And that's in the last um, 12 months or so, we've seen a lot of companies be bought up by other companies and we've seen brands suddenly appear out of nowhere that are branding themselves almost like um, fashion boutiques. (laughs) And this is not meant to be unfair to anybody in particular, but if you look at... um, say DDN, you've got some so-and-so company by DDN and, you know, Tintry by DDN and things like that. Um, we've seen a lot of um, companies get to a point where they just can't go any further and they've ended up being acquired. And I, I, I'm interested to see how those companies are going to play out against the portfolio of companies that already exist. So we we know that EMC have got a, a big portfolio of technology in the storage industry. Um we know that, uh, for sake of argument, uh, there's Pura starting to widen their, their portfolio. NetApp have got a big portfolio. These other companies are effectively almost like bra- uh, banding together to produce a set of um, products and services within a bigger company. And I wonder whether that's in order to basically get some sort of traction in this market, bearing in mind how tough it is. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how those companies are going to play out in what will be an ever-increasing you know, on-premises market. Yeah, and I, I was interested that the, the you use that as an example as well, because obviously, if you think about what we talked about first around that data protection, data management space, again, it seems like, you, you know, the feeling is that you expect to see perhaps some level of consolidation or changing direction for, for some of these organisations. You know, it's, so are you expecting 2020 to be a, a year of tech consolidation? I wonder whether it will be, because simply if you watched any of the um, reInvent presentations from last week, the rate of change in the public cloud, certainly within Amazon at least, is absolutely enormous. Mm. And it's very hard for any smaller vendor to keep up and, and justify why they would still have relevance compared to, I don't know, somebody like NetApp or somebody like um, Dell, who's got a much bigger sales force for getting into companies and, and basically getting their foot in the door. So I think cloud in itself, public cloud, is going to be make, uh, putting the squeeze on a lot of companies even further than it's done before. So I think, you know, 2020 could be a very testing year for a lot of companies because of that. Well, it's uh, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how it plays out. So, uh, Chris, thanks for sharing those thoughts and uh, have a great 2020. And no doubt, uh, look forward to speaking to you on the show again soon. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, look forward to it too. Some really interesting thoughts from Chris there. And I think he definitely sees the next 12 months is going to be quite challenging for some parts of the enterprise IT industry. So next up, I speak to Sarah Lean, Cloud Advocate at Microsoft, to get her view on what 2020 has to offer. Hi, Sarah. So, uh, well, thanks for joining us um, to uh, give us some of your thoughts of of what you expect to see uh, during 2020. Um, But for people who don't know you, why don't you introduce yourself and tell people what it is you do? Thanks, Paul. Um, Yes, my name is Sarah Lean and I'm a Cloud Advocate at Microsoft, which basically means I get to interact with all the awesome community that's out there, either through blog posts, videos, documentation or attending events and speaking at them. So um, it's a varied job, but it's really good fun and I love it. Um, I've been in it for three months now in the role, so it's, it's been good fun so far. 
Well, so um, well, uh, always the exciting point of interacting with the community is that, mm-hmm. of course, you get to speak to real people, yeah. um, which is always a good start. So, um, <laughs> but but it's perhaps handy for for what we're what we're chatting about today. So, mm-hmm. um, so you know, as you kind of look ahead to to this coming year and and some of the things you're expecting to see. I mean, so what what are some of the technology trends that you're expecting to see this year? Um, and what are some of the things that maybe that that community that you you engage in with? You know, what what are some of the their expectations for the year? Obviously, I don't expect you to speak for absolutely everybody you've ever met. Uh, yeah. Just your view of it will be fine. <laughs> um, I think what I'm seeing in the community, Paul, is that having the conversation about moving to the cloud, regardless of what platform that is, is becoming easier. Um, you know, the period of uncertainty and confusion between, you know, senior leaderships and the IT pros or the developers is starting to narrow. Um, you know, that conversation is a lot easier for the IT department to have with our senior leadership team. And I think I'm seeing that because of the interaction from the community. There's more people attending conferences. There's more people um, asking pertinent questions um, and not just listening, if that makes sense. Um, they're actually starting to interact with with the people at the conferences as well. Um, so I think it's going to be a lot easier, hopefully going forward, for people to utilise the cloud services and the functionality that it gives them um, within IT. And so is that a view that just people have um, be, become better educated and, and is, that a, is that a trend you expect to see coming in? Is it something that you see, obviously uh, you were talking before in your introduction about kind of it's an IT pro community you talk to, mm-hmm. but are you also seeing that more widely in business so people uh, maybe at a board level are better engaged with and better understand uh, you know the, the possibilities around public cloud and if they do, do you, again do you expect to see that trend continue this this coming year? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. People now understand what we mean by the cloud. They're starting to understand that conversation and they're willing to learn about it. Um, they're not frightened of it. The you know the security questions are starting to not fully go away because some industries still have some security risks around the cloud, but they're starting to put things that they can put in it. So like their websites are easily going to the cloud, whereas before it was still very much like, oh, we can't use the cloud. We don't trust the cloud. Who is the cloud? Where is the cloud? Those kind of questions are are not pertinent anymore. They're not being the ones that are asked. People are actually asking implementation questions more um, than the what is the cloud type questions. So I think I think that's what we're going to see. I think we're going to see a lot more cloud adoption in the years coming forward. And are you seeing that then being driven a little bit and kind of, as you alluded to there, being driven a little bit by organizations now starting to look at the potential benefit as opposed to um not 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 overly concerned because obviously people should mm-hmm. understand the technology impact as well but is it is it this kind of shift and increasingly uh, and you expect to continue to see that organizations are looking at the potential outcome and benefit as opposed to overly worrying about kind of well i need to understand this infrastructure and everything that happens under the covers when the reality is that you you perhaps don't yeah, I think I think they're starting to realise that that yes, you still need to understand a bit about how your cloud provider works, but you don't need to know everything um, the same way you did with an on-premise infrastructure. So they're starting to utilise the flexibility um, that the cloud gives them for certain things easily now. Yeah, so I think it's. Um... I mean, it's obviously not that we're going to realise that cloud is a thing uh, in 2020. I think we're, we're beyond that. But, um, you know, certainly certainly the idea that then that, that cloud adoption is going to continue to mm-hmm. to increase. And, and it's certainly something that, that I, I see. I think I'm increasingly I'm seeing organisations take this kind of much more tactical approach to cloud. Mm-hmm. So they're looking at where uh, cloud has 
uh, value and where cloud and where public cloud can do things that are actually relatively hard to do on prem have traditionally been hard to do with it within your own data center and so they're starting to utilize cloud with i don't necessarily want to move everything into public cloud but i do see where i can gain benefit from moving this capability or extending this on-prem capability you know i think that's a i think that's an interesting trend that i've mm -hmm. certainly seen in 2019 and expect to to see continuing so so is it is there any other kind of things either tied to that or you know in a in, in kind of from your general kind of microsoft exposure as well is there some other things you expect to see um, much more of next year or uh, this coming year <laughs> um, i think automation is something that people are more interested in as well um, they're looking at moving away from that traditional GUI imp uh, implementation and starting to utilize things that can make life easier infrastructure as code um, you know automating what can be automated to gain tie up or free up sorry their their IT pro or their developers to do the cooler things with the cloud and um, so not sit there and have to spend a couple of days configuring a server or a virtual machine but having that as that kind of automation or infrastructure as code piece and then allowing the teams to do more you know learn more about the cloud and see where they can leverage it for other parts of their organization as well um, I think automation is going to be big certainly when I go to conferences that's the sessions um, that people are interested in you know they're well attended and there's lots and lots of questions for the speakers as well so I think automation is going to be a big topic as well next year yeah, again, I think I tend to tend to agree. And again, one of those things that, um, uh, you know, through through the 2019, it's been one of those things that you that, that became increasingly important. And I think, as you say, it's something that's that's only going to extend into into the next 12 months that people are going to do more of that. And and do you think that's a do you think that's a shift towards people just wanting to simplify that kind of day to day operation? Um, and and as you said, kind of remove the uh, remove the reliance on an individual having to go into a GUI and almost Almost create something new every time. You know the the whole um, the whole Picasso approach to IT. I'm going to create some wonderful piece of art every time I do a bit of IT <laughs> infrastructure. Um, you know, is, is it is it mainly being driven by simplification, or is it much more driven actually by what you're saying about the idea that freeing up resources to do more valuable work? Mm, I think it's it's a bit of both, to be honest. I think on prem we've never really had the functionality to do some of the stuff we can do in cloud, or not do it easily. Um, so people are, are are keen to make use of that, make better use of their time, and be more productive. Because um, let's face it, as as cool as as it is setting up a server, um, you don't want to be doing that every day. You want to be doing the new stuff. You want to be learning about the new technologies and the new services that are coming out. So if you can free yourself up from doing the and I'm using inverted commas here, boring stuff um, that you do with an IT, then you can you can really make your job exciting um, by learning the new stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and I think this, you know, like I say, it's cool the setting up a new server can be, but I think equally cool is automating the setup of a new server and seeing that kind of delivery. I think that's a, it's, it's an interesting thing to learn how to do and, and has some real value. Mm -hmm. um, well, look, as, as we wrap up here, I'm always a big fan of things in threes. Have you got a, a third thing that you, you might expect to see over the next 12 months? Um, from a personal level. Um, not in the wider community, but I want to learn how to be more productive when I'm on the move, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, my job now takes me um, 
quite a bit around the world and I often find myself in airports or train stations or, or hotel rooms so I'm looking to find out how to be more productive on the move when I'm not sitting at home with my three monitors and ergonomic keyboard and everything that I, I love um, so that's that's what my future is. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's quite and again it's quite an interesting point I mean one that we have an expectation now um, and again this is only ever going to grow is it an expectation that we can do that you know that the idea that you sit in an airport and that's you disconnected from anything but the world of the airport but actually now yeah I expect to be able to work I expect to be able to do maybe things like this or I expect to be able to run a video call or do some work or you know deploy some servers with an automation script you know I think yeah. is um again is only something that we're, we're going to see grow so well look Sarah um, I, I mean thanks for that I think some some great insights there and uh, and, and things I, I totally agree I expect that we, we will see as as things that develop and increasingly our, our trends will see more of throughout 2020 um but if people want to find out more about what you're up to uh, either online or actually in the real world you know where where might they be able to find you over the next few months um, the best place is Twitter. I'm always on Twitter. Um, so you can get me at Techie Lass. Um, so, yeah, that's the place to find me. <laughs> um, and I believe you're also involved in some of the uh, Microsoft events that are running uh, through through the first part of the year, part of the Ignite Tour series. Um, is, is there any places people can come and look out for your sessions? Um, yep. So I will be in Johannesburg in January. Then I'll be in Taipei in February. And there's a few more after that, but I can't remember which order they come in at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so or potentially always good for a, a local UK audience, uh, some yep. of those some of those places. Uh, yeah, and we did find it quite humorous that um, when there's an event in London in January, you're not getting anywhere near that one. Um, so you, you can go to other <laughs> other sides of the world instead. Um, hey, well, Sarah, look, uh, I hope you have a great 2020 and uh, look forward to speaking to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. Some really interesting stuff there from Sarah and she's clearly going to be very busy as she finds new and entertaining ways to work in airports throughout 2020. So last up for this episode I get to speak to NetApp's Greg Nearman as I get an idea of what he's looking forward to seeing throughout 2020. So yeah hi Greg um, before we jump into kind of your your view of uh, what, what you're expecting to see during 2020 why don't you have a quick uh, introduction to yourself tell people who you are and what it is you do. My name is Greg Nierman. I work for NetApp. I, I guess I wear an evangelism hat, an influencer hat, and some some other hats. Uh, but I also do the Go Your Way podcast with Phoebe Go and uh, a couple of other industry-wide activities. So, well, we shall we will get to those at the end so people know how to track you down, probably to tell you how wrong you are about the things you're expecting to see during 2020, because uh, that's kind of how these things work. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, why don't, why don't we start there then? So, so you know, so uh, I'm kind of get, getting a bit of a view of, of what people across the industry are expecting to see as, as they move into 2020, whether that's, uh, whether that's an extension of some of the things they've seen during the last 12, 18 months, or maybe it's some kind of new new shift that, that maybe we're not expecting. But, you know, looking for if, if I'm somebody who's an IT decision, maker or CIO listening to this show, what are some of the, the hot areas I should be paying attention to this year? So so what are you thinking, Greg? What are you looking forward to seeing? Well, I think as we're going to 2020, it's going to look a lot like 2019 in the respect, especially as companies are still trying to identify their cloud strategy, whether it's on-premises, in the public cloud, or in a hybrid or multi-cloud configuration. And I think that's the, they're still wrestling with that. And I think there's still a kind of a wrestling of, of the balance of data that lives on-premises and data that lives off-premises. 
Yeah, I think that's a, a really interesting point, and and I think one of the things that I've I've been seeing increasingly as you know during certainly the back end of 2019 was this kind of idea of almost cloud growing up, you know, and I, th- I think we see this, we, we, we kind of get this this kind of hype cycle all the time, don't we, of things, that are, you know, real cutting edge, and then over time, they become, you know, th- things that, that, that get more generally accepted. But I think as as they become more generally accepted, and more traditional organizations start to want to look at how they adopt cloud to, you know, supplement and improve on, on what they're doing on-prem, some of the demands around cloud are starting to change. You know, is, is that kind of what you're getting at? Is that, is, is that kind of the area you're seeing? What? I think there's more options out there, and maybe it's just because we're on the backside of AWS reInvent, uh, AWS announced Outposts, and now it's got a lot of people thinking about, you know, what does a cloud look like? What, what What's the definition of on-premises, and does on-premises not really on-premises if it's all infrastructure that you're getting from your cloud provider and other things? I think there's just a lot more variables, a lot more options, a lot more things to consider. And I think that's part of the challenge is trying to map out the next three years with technology that's only emerged in the last six months or the last year. And I think there's just a lot of navigation around that and a lot of challenges that come with that. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, I, actually I really like that phrase. I think that's, that's that's quite an interesting to think think about that when we talk about cloud or we talk about on premises. You know, what does that actually look like? And say things like uh, Outpost, things like Azure Stack. You know, these kind of technologies where it's the public cloud provider trying to come into the data center, but mainly to come into the data center to make your transition to their public cloud more straightforward. That's right. You know, so, <laughs> they want to own you. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you, you can't blame them for that. You know, because I think no. that they're, they're looking at that and saying, you know, we we want more more people in our public cloud how do we make that transition easier for them you know how do we you know in your introduction you, you know as you said you work for NetApp you know and I've certainly talked to people over the last four or five years about this idea of data fabric as a way of doing that you know building a, 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 an infrastructure building a strategy that's about data mobility about workload mobility and I think and it's, it's interesting that some of those providers are starting to um, you know tr- starting to try and make that a little bit simpler. And I think there's a consistency there that it's it's not just about data mobility, it's also about control of data. And this is something I've ranted about for years. And I think it's still true and I think it's still consistent that there's an expectation of regardless of whether you're public, private, hybrid, multi-cloud, ultimately at the end of the day, you want control of your data and, and full data management. And I think that's obviously from a NetApp perspective, that's enabled by a data fabric. But I think when you talk about control of data, that's the core of what we're talking about. Yeah, and I, and I think, I mean, that's that's one of the big things for me, actually, that I've, I've seen over over the past 12 months is this kind of shift in focusing on data at, at kind of the core of what we're doing, as opposed to focusing on infrastructure or locations, but actually kind of build these things around data. So, but anyway, it's not about what, what I'm looking at at 2020, more, more about you. <laughs> uh, it's all about you, Greg, this. Um, so, okay, so so beyond cloud, uh, is, is there other kind of things, other kind of areas that you're looking to see or other extensions to the use of cloud? Well, I, obviously, the edge becomes you know, part of this equation, too. And I feel like I'm throwing a buzzword bingo here. <laughs> but we've been talking about edge for a while. I think uh, as we go into 2020 and probably even more prominently in 2021, what those edge applications, um, the edge data storage technologies are going to be taking more prominence. 
And I, and again, I, I think you're seeing this reflected, whether it's vendors like us or the public cloud providers, um, everybody's conscious of that. They, they see that this is where the future is going. And I, there's almost an arms race of sorts to be able to um, uh, build some connectiveness uh, between core edging and cloud. And I, that's going to continue into at least maintain momentum in 2020. So, so what do you think is driving that? You know, is this more about the need to process more and more data at the edges because yes. actually trying to shift all this centrally is, is um, you know, is too difficult. There's too much of it. We're creating too much or we, or we need much more rapid response. Is, is that what's driving that? Yeah, I think it, it quite candidly, I think it comes down to the network and latencies and what you can achieve um, centrally located versus what you can achieve in a distributed environment. And again, I, I don't think there's any secret here. I think this is a reflection of what you're seeing from the, you know, the, the uh, hyperscalers and, and the services they're rolling out. I think you're seeing this from, from multiple vendors. Um, and again, I think it comes down to the orchestration layer of how you're making this work and, and the different data services uh, work within control. Yeah, and I think um, I think that kind of orchestration stuff is quite important as well. You know, it's it, it's one of the things that um, again I, I can kind of see as as something you're starting to see gain gain some traction, gain some momentum during 2019. And and with you, I think I, I expect to see these continue. Is is that orchestration? Is that simplification of some of this kind of stuff as well? Because I think one of the um, one of the issues that we're coming across increasingly is that technology is becoming increasingly complicated. So uh, a shift to simplifying it, you know, and orchestrating some of this complexity, I, I think, you know, has the potential to be real powerful as well. You know, is, is, is that is, is that something you expect to see in this space as well? Absolutely. And I think we've seen it the last couple of years is this drive towards simplification, because I think it's a reflection of the human resources that a lot of enterprises have, right? They're doing more with less. And as a consequence of that, I think you're seeing a shift to where 10 years ago, there was a, a storage uh, admin, there was a server admin, there, there was a, a security admin. Now what you've got is you've got generalists that are, are driving a lot of this and you've got application developers that are like, I don't care about infrastructure. I just need it automatically provisioned and I need it accessible. And so that is driving further and further simplification. And I think it's also kind of driving um, tools and resources up the stack. And that's important. It's great for the industry. Uh, but like I mentioned before about an arms race, it is like an arms race between the different vendors and, and hyperscalers. So, um, well, as, as we come to the end of our time here, I do like threes. So um, do, do you have a third thing that you're expecting to see over the next year? I'm predicting the death of blockchain. <laughs> and I say that sarcastically, somewhat sarcastically, Um but I, I'm, I'm seeing enough stuff. And I used to be a big advocate for uh, distributed ledgers and, and, and the value in that. And I'm, I'm seeing some really, really smart people out there saying, this is nonsense. We, we don't need this. There are other tools uh, that can do the same thing just as well. So I'm going to predict, if that's worth anything, uh, that the enthusiasm behind blockchain diminishes dramatically in 2020. 
Wow, and on that bombshell uh, is, is kind of how I've always wa- I've always wanted to end a recording with somebody by saying that. Um, yeah, great. That's that uh, that that will drive some engagement. I, I like that. So the, yeah, the death of blockchain. Because I think I think it's interesting. You, you've got lots of things um, there that you're looking forward to that include escaping from things. You're looking at uh, hyperscalers looking to escape from their data centers into yours. Uh, uh, data looking to escape from the core out into the edge, and all of us trying to escape blockchain. So um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what that says. Uh, says about you, Greg, but um, but I like the sound of it. Um, so hey, look, Greg, if um, uh, you know, so to uh, well, well, thanks for those predictions. I say I'm sure uh, sure people would love to come online and tell you how wrong you're going to be. Um, so if they'd like to do that, um, how can they uh, how can they find you online if they don't know how to already? Uh, and you mentioned the fantastic Go Your Way podcast that you uh, you introduced with one of my friends, Phoebe Go. Um, why not plug that as well before you go? Absolutely. Please go to any of your podcast players. It's called Go Your Way. Very simple to find. Uh, please subscribe and listen to the episodes. Some great content there. Would love your feedback on it. Uh, yes, I get plenty of criticism on Twitter, at Nearman, which <laughs> spelled K-N-I-E-R-I-E-M-E-N. So happy to get the feedback and flames and claps where appropriate. I'm sure one of those bits of feedback is why is your surname so difficult to spell? Uh, I know pretty- I should have I should have <laughs> just picked up a, a kitschy name and just stuck with it, but I use my real last name. Yeah, hey, that's catchy enough. Hey, Greg, well, thanks very much for that. Um, I, I, hey, enjoy a great 2020, seeing things escape from other things. Um, but uh, but hey, thanks and I look forward to having you on the show again soon. Uh, thank you, Paul. I appreciate. it. Have a good one. I hope you enjoyed that. Show notes as always on techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous tech interviews episodes. Next week is part two of our 2020 Vision Special, where I'll talk to two more people from the industry to find out what their view is for enterprise IT throughout 2020. So to make sure you catch that show, why not subscribe? You can find us on All Good Homes of Podcasts, and for 2020, you can now find us on Spotify. And if you've got an idea for the show or would like to appear as a guest, why not drop me an email at podcast at techstringy.com. So, until next time. Thanks for listening.